Blog Talk Radio. The beat goes on. The beat goes on. Drums keep pounding a rhythm to the brain. La da 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 dee. La da 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 da. Charleston was once the rage, huh?
My name is Joe Grumbine. I'm the CEO of a little group that we call the Human Solution International. And sometimes we talk about that group a lot, sometimes we don't. Uh, but we're going to be talking about it more and more. I'm not going to really do any pontificating today. I've got a lot to talk about, and we have a lot of guests going to be joining us today. So if everything goes right, we're going to have Michelle Button calling in. Sharon Raybert is here. Looking forward to talking to her. Bobby Rodrigo may be checking in. Tom Corby with the NorCal Report. Uh, Craig Cecil is going to be calling from uh, Terre Haute, Indiana, where he's serving a life term for prison, in prison for pot. Um, and that brings us to kind of why we're all here. I guess I am going to pontificate just a little bit. I kind of ha can't help myself. So just to be really clear, you're on my show, which is called A Cup of Joe. A Cup of Joe is a show where we don't really worry so much about being politically correct. We don't go out of our way to not be politically correct. But what we do is we have a meaningful discussion about things that are important, and we don't really worry about hurting people's feelings. We talk about the truth in a truthful way, and sometimes that's sweet and delicious, uh, like a, a latte or a mocha, and sometimes it's a little dark and bitter, you know, like a straight-up espresso or a Turkish coffee. But either way, they're good and good for you. And hopefully my cup of coffee will be showing up here pretty quick because uh, I could certainly use one. So when we're talking here on my show, and this is a podcast, so we don't have to worry about FCC rules and I can say shit and fuck if I want to. I don't typically, but if I feel like it or you feel like it, I'm not going to have to beep you off the air. The only thing I say is try to be effective when you call in. Have a purpose. Uh, if your purpose is just to say hey or agree with something or disagree with something, that's great. But we're not looking for uh, accusations and rants, and I don't want to hear a damn thing about Donald Trump. I want to hear about what we're doing to end prohibition, the Human Solution International, and the new coalition that's building. I want to hear about that. We're winning in a lot of ways, but as we're winning, we're losing, and I'm watching it over and over again. Every single state that passes legalization, I watch good activists dry up and go to the industry and focus on making money and focus on other stuff. And you know what? Last two or three shows, I've issued a challenge. I've issued a challenge for people who don't like me or don't like the human solution to step up and stand with us as we go to end prohibition once and for all. Um, this time I challenge an ex-activist who's lost in the, in the industry right now to remember that we're not done yet, that this isn't going to be done once your state passes its legalization measure. It's not going to be done once you have your recreational law. It's going to just get started, and you're going to have cases and more cases, and those cases are not going to be about whether or not <laughs> you were compliant. They're going to be about the fact that prohibition still runs strong, and they're going to be about the fact that those people that brought prohibition about are still feeding off of us, and they're going to continue feeding off of us until we stop it once and for all. So we're not the legalization chant. We're not the reform chant. We're the end it. End it. Let's bring Craig Cecil home. Let's bring all the POWs home. As long as there's one of them, 
even one. We haven't done our job. And we're sitting here resting on our laurels and starting businesses and making millions and doing all this crap while people are still getting locked up, getting raided, and rotten in jail. I don't know. It doesn't seem right. Okay, so that was my little teeny rant. Hopefully it wasn't too much. We've got a lot of things that we want to talk about. First thing I want to just blast right through is we have a uh, contest going right now. It's a constant contest, and it is pictures of our solidarity ribbon. This is a really important symbol. This ribbon shows us standing together, working to end prohibition. Um, it, it shows us in the courtrooms. It shows us out there on the streets. It shows us when you see somebody wearing one of these things, you can walk up to them and know they're a friendly. Um, for the last 10 years, we've been wearing, making, and, and sharing these. I want to capture that history, so we've created a contest. Now, this contest, I'm going to show you. So, Lisa, I'm going to need you to bring the camera around here. For all of you on the live stream, I want to thank you. You're uh, helping to make this show um, a whole lot more uh, broad-reaching. Apparently, people like to watch my mug and like to talk to each other while we're doing it. I think it's a great idea. I think it's kind of like the old-fashioned campfire. So um, here we are. We've got the live stream blasting right now, and um, I encourage you to share it. Let people know about this. It's helping to bring the uh, the show around to a broader audience, and hopefully going to help us end prohibition faster. So we have a page. Let's go ahead and zoom in on this page. This is the Human Solution International. No, that's not the right one. That's the letter writing. Sorry about that, folks. This should be it right here. Why am I not going to the right one here? Oh, yeah, this is it. All right. Sorry for being slow here. If you read right here, this is the rules of the contest. Right here, pin post. Can't miss it. I'll read it for you. This is the page to submit your entry for the Solidarity Ribbon Photo Contest. Please, along with the photo, a short post as to why it should win. The winner will be picked on based on comments and votes. No limit of submissions. If a contestant does not win and does not submit an entry, the next week, the original submission will be rolled over. We're going to have some amazing prizes, and the, win, the winner will be picked on a cup of joe. How do we vote? Well, we're going to be having a poll on this page one day, hopefully soon. Until then, cast your vote on this email address, grumbinejoe at gmail.com, G-R-U-M-B-I-N-E-J-O-E at gmail.com. Send me an email and put contest in it, and right here, we're looking at the contest that you can go onto the, onto the page I just showed you, but we have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, that one won last week, and nine, nine photographs. This picture here does not count because it won last week. Um, this picture is by Jessica Lux. Um, oh, there was another one. Where the hell did it go? Uh, there's one from uh, Chuck Miller. I will find it, and I will show it to you. But anyways, um, we got this one by Jessica. This is a 10-year-old uh, picture from Court Support. We got Justin Turley uh, submitted these four. These are some San Diego Human Solution pictures and the uh, headquarters chapter. 
And Janice Davis from Manitoba uh, submitted these, and these are all ribbon pictures. So uh, I will see if I can find the other one, but if you scroll down here, it is here, and it's by Chuck Miller, and it's uh, a picture of our brochures at a fishing camp. All right, so that's what we got going on. Oops, there goes my microphone. Okay, so we're going to start off the show real quick. Uh, we got Sharon Rebert. Um, Sharon Rebert and I just met recently in Colorado and then again in Atlanta. And Sharon is um, one of the most charged, focused, energized people I've ever met. And if I ever found, a, I don't know, a, some kind of a, a activist a sister that was just made out of the same crap I made of, it's Sharon Rebert. She has been through it. She's been raided. She's had been through the court system, and she stood tough and fought, and she is out there every day of her life just kind of like I am trying to make a difference, and she's been pounding it. Ever since I left her in Atlanta, she's been uh, charging hard, and so uh, let's just go ahead and jump right on in it and let's talk. Sharon Rabert, welcome to the show. Hey, Brother Joe. How are you? I'm doing great. It's uh, good to hear you. I'm surprised you have a voice. I understand uh, you have been very busy at it. Right, been talking a lot. Uh, so, yeah, I, I lose my voice, but usually not until about 10 o'clock at night. So I've got plenty left for you. <laughs> oh, good, beautiful, beautiful. Well, we'll only take a few minutes, but let's. Uh, why don't you give us a little update about what you've been up to? Okay, well, I just got back on Monday. We, My daughter, Brittany, and I, the one who the raid was, was focused on uh, some time ago, took off um, on a planes, trains, and automobiles uh, tour 2017, and we rode up uh, with the exec, our new executive director of Peach Free Normal and some other folks from Georgia to go to the Normal uh, Conference in D.C., uh, we did that, um, and then the follow on Monday of last week, and did uh, a lobby day with them on Tuesday. Then Tuesday night, after meeting with our senators and representatives, and with Senator Cory Booker, um, we took off on Amtrak and went to Boston. I got there the next morning on an overnight uh, train ride, and. Did some sightseeing in Boston, tried to learn from the past and the American Revolution and how they changed things that they didn't like. Uh, read a lot, learned a lot, and then um, I spoke at the Boston Freedom Rally on Saturday. Spent a few more days up there and then headed back to Georgia on a plane. Got in on real late on Monday night and have been doing meetings on Tuesday and, and meeting with political candidates today in Atlanta and drove the 70 miles back home and just called in to talk to you guys. So we're really busy here all over the place, and uh, it's exhausting, but it's a lot of meeting a lot of good people, getting a lot of good things going on in different uh, spaces and building more coalitions so that we can end prohibition. Well, I love the sound of that. Now, you talked about uh, speaking with Cory Booker, and for those who don't know, um, Cory Booker's a, a senator who um, has introduced some legislation that could be some game-changing legislation. 
What did he have to say? Well, um, he really pretty much um, thanked us, uh, asked some questions. We had a few people uh, there that spoke um, specifically to what's going on in their states. Uh, mainly we had in that group, you know, the leaders of the different states that were uh, at Lobby Day. And so he really um, listened to what we had to say and, you know, um, promised that he was going to continue the fight on the federal level and, um, you know, just gave us some ideas on how we could help do that and told us pretty much what I say all the time. Uh, When you're talking, we're winning. And, you know, I'll I'll tell a quick story, if you you don't mind real quick, but Kevin Mamaldi, who... Yeah, Kevin Mamalji was in is is the outreach director for Normal, and he's he's stationed out in Denver, and he happened to run into John McCain in the hallways of of Capitol Hill, and um, he just kind of walked towards him, and 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 he stepped away from his aide, and and he he pointed to Kevin's uh, pen. We have marijuana leaf pens, gold pens for our members. And he pointed at the pen, and he said, what's that about? And he told him who he was and that he worked for normal. And John McCain looked at him and said, y'all are winning. said, y'all are winning. And so that's why it's so extremely important that everybody that is involved in this already and those that are not start being more vocal because we are getting close. And like you said earlier, we can no longer rest on our laurels. And and people have got to start, you know, putting some power behind um, the voices and and start screaming from the from the rooftops. Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, about a month ago, a little more than a month ago, we we sat together and we talked about forming this coalition. And I've been really starting to beat that drum. I know you're constantly beating that drum. It really wasn't a new idea for you. And it wasn't a new idea for me, but but to uh, identify it and to uh, focus it and to start to specifically point to things and saying, hey, we need to do this. Um, we have this big document that I, I've been studying a little bit, and, I, and I'm making some notes about it, and I'm looking to, to really start putting some energy in on it, and I want to include you, obviously, with that. But one of the things that came up, and it just hit me, is we have a website that um, and the address of the website is nojailforpot.com, and we created the website. Actually, it was an old website that was from I don't know 20 years ago. That was kind of a precursor to what we're doing, and it was just a mm-hmm. site where people would go and pledge to, you know, try to end prohibition by a period of time. Well, we were gifted that, and um, we converted it with the the coalition that we started to build the UCCA. And what I'd like to do is we're going to modify this a little bit. And all it is is it's just a place where you can you can make a pledge to, to stand with us. And, you know, I've been sort of putting little challenges out there. To, you know, this is a, this is a, a war, and, and when you're fighting a war, it's a job. And it's not fun most of the time. Sometimes it is. You meet some amazing people. But you're there for a purpose, and it really doesn't matter if you like the guy standing next to you. It really doesn't matter if the guy next to you likes guy standing next to you likes you. It doesn't matter if your uh, organization and their organization are trying to do the same thing and consider each other competition. The point is, is our goal is bigger than us. And individually, 
It's going to take us years and years, maybe lifetimes, to complete. But together, if we all stand together and just put our issues aside, put our egos aside, put our whatever it is that keeps us from standing together, we'll win quickly. And that's the point of this coalition. And we're really focusing our energy. We're creating, crafting a plan. We're going to begin our specific efforts in the heart of the civil rights, the cradle of the civil rights movement in Atlanta, Georgia. That's where we're going to actually begin uh, the effort when it actually materializes, which is going to be sooner than you think. Um, so I just wanted to bring that out. We have nojailforpot.com, and um, if you click on it uh, right now, it's going to send you over to the human solution, but at least we're gathering the folks that are saying they're with us, and we're going to uh, work to create a a, a place where we can get together, even if it's a, a conference call, even if it's um, electronic, it doesn't matter at this point. But we know, Sharon, you and I both know that you got to get out there. You got to make the trip. You got to you got to go where the battle is, and wherever that is is what we've got to do. So um, I'm just more and more fired up. I'm getting ready tomorrow morning to head up to Manitoba, and we're going to talk to the the wonderful Canadians about the difference between pro prohibition. And legalization, you know, they, they've oh, legalized wonderful. some things. And there's people going to jail right and left up there. And, you right. know, it's, it's, this, it's this conundrum that keeps happening. And so we're going to, I'm going to be uh, solidifying the coalition. This is a, an international fight. This is not about, you know, just here in the States. This is it's a worldwide problem here. And uh, we're going to end it. Absolutely, and and on the note of you guys coming to Atlanta, and the, and and really focusing the fight down here in Atlanta, I had a meeting today, one of several over the last few weeks, and and I've got a few more going on this week with candidates that are running for office. Today, I was with for about an hour and a half. Um, um, he's a city councilman in Atlanta, Kwanzaa Hall. And he's running for mayor of Atlanta. And so he told me today that he is, we have been working on decrimming Atlanta for, I guess, almost 17 months. And they, they don't want to vote on it. They keep calling, you know, other, you know, stalling, stalling, stalling. But there will be a vote on it on October 2nd. And wouldn't it be beautiful if we were to be able to get, get Atlanta to decrim you know, and like the week before the Drug Policy Reform Conference comes to Atlanta. I mean, it would be beautiful. You know, uh, actually what we're doing is starting tomorrow, we're going to get start phone banking. And people that are listening to this um, radio station, it doesn't matter where you live. You don't have to even live in Georgia. We could utilize help like we've helped. We helped do phone banking when Amendment 64 was on the ballot. And in Colorado, we've done phone banking for Florida. We've done phone banking for California, my, you know, our, our people in Georgia. And so if anybody here is interested in doing some phone banking and making some calls to get out the word that constituents and people um, need to contact their legislators or their city council members, I'm sorry, uh, to vote yes on this. So we're going to be doing a big push over the next couple of weeks to get this passed. And it's a lot of exciting stuff going on. And if we can do it in the South, you can do it anywhere. Uh, anywhere. <laughs> well, I tell you what, you can count on me. I will absolutely pledge my time. 
to do some phone banking for you. And I say that we take next week's uh, show and uh, maybe get a specific message for people um, that we can uh, show them how to go. Uh, people, as well-intentioned as they can be, um, as much as they care and as much as uh, they might want to make the difference, if you don't direct them and show them where to go and show them what to do and show them how to do it, they're going to say, I would have, I could have, I didn't know how. So I'm here exactly. to help you to do that. And so you and I will talk between now and next week's show, and let's come up with a one, two, three, this is how to do it. And I would just love to be part of anything that caused uh, Georgia and Atlanta in particular uh, to have a decriminalization element. I, It would be mind-blowing. It would be, and I appreciate that. So I'll get the information well, to you, and um, we'll get, move forward from there. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Sharon. I know you've got a lot to do. I appreciate you taking a few minutes to join the show. Thank you so much, and I'll be listening to the rest of it. Y'all have a great night. Thank you so much. Beautiful. Thank you very much. Again, Sharon Raver with Peachtree Normal and part of the new coalition to end prohibition. Um, that's what we've got going on right now, and, and Sharon has been extremely active in approaching legislators um, in teaching people how to make a change within the law. You know, the human solution uh, oftentimes since we're a 501c3, we typically go in a different direction, but um, there's huge power in changing the law. It makes our job as freedom fighters so much easier. This is Craig Cecil calling from Terre Haute, Indiana, where he's serving a life term for prison right now. So let's see what he has to say. Craig Cecil, how are you doing today? Hello, Joe. I'm doing well, and uh, well, it's dark here in uh, Terre Haute, Indiana. Well, it's uh, it's still a little bit light here, but um, we're feeling the fall start to set in. It's uh, technically the last day of summer, and I'm, I I couldn't I couldn't have the fall come any sooner. Well, here we're we're getting a taste of Southern California. <laughs> That's wild. That's wild. Well, you know, I was just speaking with uh, Sharon Raver um, with Peachtree Normal, and she's been out uh, championing the cause all over, and she was just at the Boston Freedom Rally. And uh, she was uh, speaking with uh, Senator Cory Booker, who's got some legislation that would be groundbreaking if it was to get some get some teeth on it. So, um, you know... There's so many angles of what we're doing, and, and some of these angles are, you know, bringing awareness uh, to the wrongs, and some of these angles are bringing awareness as to what to do right. And uh, some of them are just walking through the trenches and, and, and doing what needs doing. So um, do you know much about Cory Booker's uh, uh, bill that's, that's starting to go through committee? committee for the, you know, the full chamber for a vote. And I'm 
wondering how Mr. Booker can set his apart, you know, from all the others, that they'll be interested and they'll move it forward. And well, I, I think one of the things is that he's much more of a mainstream uh, legislator. You know, we had Barney Frank out there for a while, um, but he was, you know, in a lot of people's eyes, kind of a fringe element. And uh, Cory Booker's a little bit more more on a mainstream level. I think he reaches a broader audience. And I think there's a lot of people out here now that have been waiting for something that they can get behind. And I know Dana Rohrbacher's had a good one out there for a while that keeps stalling out in committee, and, and I think it's still alive until this session's over. But, um, you know, all we can hope is that there's a there's a different shine on this one. Maybe maybe uh, you know some people that are getting a leg on the people that are actually making some getting some traction will get behind it, and we can just push it up past that spot where where it's been. It always you know gets completely stalled out in committee and never even gets near a vote. And maybe we can get it to to push on past that. Well, the other advantage I think is uh, our Congress is so you know, gridlocked right now, I think it would, you know, maybe both parties are looking for something that, you know, they could both, let's call it some federal prison, that they could both look favorably on. I mean, the Republicans would like the state's rights aspect of it. They may not like the decriminalization aspect, but they, they would, I think they would like to, you know, dump it back at the states and leave it up to the state, you know, do you want this in your state or do you not? And, of course, the Democrats, I think, are looking more at, a, you know, is this medicine, you know? <laughs> and I think more and more, the, you know, the public answer now is, you know, yes, to many people it is medicine. Well, and, and it's not just that. It, it, there's science now coming forward, and more and more studies are coming out that are really uh, undeniable, and they're coming out of countries where, um, you know, the research is being allowed. They're coming out of Israel and they're coming out of other sta other nations where uh, the research hasn't been so quashed. Um, and, you know, I think it's, it's – there's so many Americans. I mean, and I, I don't want to get into a discussion about Donald Trump, but there's such a frustrated element with people that we elected this guy – because we didn't want anybody else that was a politician. And I think, you know, you've got a Republican-dominated, all three uh, branches of the government have this huge Republican uh, uh, foothold, and they still can't get a damn thing done. And I think to myself, if we could just get some motion going, this would certainly be the, uh, the one issue that we could maybe all come together on. I mean, economically, it's, it, it, it's a boon for anybody that's near it, uh, it, it doesn't have a victim. Their whole uh, reefer madness has been debunked in, you know, 17 different dimensions. And I think both sides are starting to get it. Sharon uh, had a conversation, um, and uh, Senator McCain actually made a statement that said, you know, we're winning this. And, you know, of all the people, um, such a conservative as, as – uh, Senator McCain to recognize that, you know, this war's a waste and we're actually making some progress here. I don't know. To me, I think it's just getting riper and riper. Pretty soon it's just going to fall off the tree. Well, that's why I think this may, may 
turn into a favorable climate because now I consider myself, you know, uh, a Republican or Libertarian leaning person, and uh, and I like the ideals that a lot of these Republicans are selling, but they're sure showing us that they have no idea how to govern. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's, can't get anything done. <laughs> that's a big problem. You know, the people that are, um, I don't know, the people that we might agree with in a conversation, they tend to not be leaders, and the leaders tend to be people we don't agree with. And it's, it's you know, just this crazy conundrum we're living in in the political world. Well, and I think that give and take in politics is missing right now. I, I mean... You really can't go in and expect to get 100% of every bill you go after. I mean, but if you're getting 60%, you're winning. <laughs> I think maybe that's the goal they need to look for. Maybe we won't get the perfect, you know, simply descheduled marijuana, but we could get a bill that says, you know, let's stop federal prosecution, let's deschedule it, and, uh, you know, and over the course of the next year, all the states have to figure out what they're going to do with the states. Exactly. And, you know, I think what's happening, I mean, the good news is um, there's a decriminalization, decriminalization bill coming forward in Georgia right now. And there, we're hoping, we're gonna, I'm actually going to get involved with some phone banking, and we're hoping for a real big push. And imagine if we could get, you know, even close, even if it didn't pass but, but got close, um, in a in a place as you know hostile as Atlanta, Georgia, um, I, I think really we're we're starting to chip away at this wall. I think that you know the argument against it has gotten weaker and weaker, and the arguments for it have just strengthened. Oh, and that makes so much sense. I think we saw that last fall in California. Most of the diehard you know marijuana advocates I know really didn't like the bill they were voting on. I'm one of them. <laughs> they, I think overall they decided, you know, that they just couldn't stomach voting no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so they, they got half of what they were after. Yeah. Well, and, and you know what? It's, it's On some level, even if it's on a symbolic level, if nothing more, it's, it's progress. And perceived progress is real progress. And if the people of America and the people of the world perceive that a law in California that allows for something and that's considered recreational use, if it's perceived that that has made it okay, then maybe that'll grease the wheels a little bit where you're at, wherever you're at. Maybe the fact that we can look at California and, and Washington and Oregon and Colorado and Washington, D.C. and all the places that have done medical, which is now, I think, over 30 states. And now we've got, uh, I think it's uh, Puerto Rico and um, some of the other territories are starting to come aboard as well. And the thing is that we have to stand on is there has been no collapse of society, not one bit. There's been no increase in crime. There's not been walking zombies. There hasn't been any of the things that people feared. It just hasn't happened. And, you know, it's been a few years now. California's got a medical law for 20 years, and our zombie rate is still, you know, point zero 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 one. Well, it didn't collapse. <laughs> no, 
No, no, it hasn't collapsed, and it certainly hasn't collapsed because of drug use. Um, you know, we have a, a gridlocked uh, state legislature, as 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 so many of the others, but this time it's on the you know the left side. But it doesn't matter. It the use of cannabis in any state where laws have been passed to allow for it has not caused any social collapse on any level, and. Nobody can argue that it has. There isn't a single chart that somebody can break out and say, crime has gone up and people have started killing each other or stealing from each other or any kind of violent crime, not at all. And, yeah, does a dispensary become a target? Sure it does. It has a valuable commodity, just like a diamond store, just like a liquor store, a bank, or any other target, things that get robbed. Of course. But that doesn't make it different. It's the same as any other valuable commodities. Oh, and I mean, I think that would finally touch on on the criminal justice system as well, because as you know, I'm looking over the rail right now at a cell block with, uh, you know, the, right at 150 inmates, you know, mulling around in here. Over half of them are on drug convictions where there's really no victim to their crime. There's very few actual violent criminals in here. What we get, what we have is, you know, cases like mine where my activity was, uh, you know, servicing the trucks for people that hauled marijuana, and a lot of people, you know, don't even see that as criminal, but yet they're paying fifty, sixty, seventy thousand dollars a year to keep the year. Well, you know, I I just heard. I think I I don't have the facts clear, but there was a case that involved a, a drug dealer and. Somebody had gotten killed, and it was there was a violent crime connected to this drug dealer, and he got I think he got a recommended 10-year sentence out of it. And I thought to myself, geez, Craig, all you had to do was kill somebody, and you wouldn't have had to worry about this life sentence. You would have been stuck on something else. It would have uh, been probably a lot easier. I mean, you would have to sleep at night, which, of course, I don't recommend, doing anything violent, but the, the the comedy of it all is, you know, had you been in there for a violent crime, you'd be out by now. That's true, that's true. The average served in the United States for murder is 12.3 years. I'm coming up on 16 years on a marijuana church. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Well, I know that, um, you know, we, we continue to... Uh, to enlighten people. I do hear we got a little bit of good news. I heard Jimmy Romans is getting uh, transferred to a medium security facility. Let's call it from a federal prison. Aha, uh-huh. you might even be coming over here with me then. It's entirely possible. I, 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 got, I got the message from his sister. I don't have any details about it, but I thought that at least, um, you know, that would be, when, when you're in a maximum security facility, you're not with any good people. I mean, I, I'm i sure there's some, some drug dealers in there that probably aren't a problem, but my guess is a lot of the folks in there are pretty rough. And he's going to actually a very unusual uh, penitentiary for the Federal Bureau of Prisons. And as you are aware, right now I'm looking out the window and I can see the towers, the guard towers at the USP across the street where Jim is. But that particular 
penitentiary is full of sex offenders and people with really sexual deviance. It has a lot of the men they dress as women and that sort of thing. Wow. The toughest gang over there, the toughest gang over there is the gay boy gangsters. No <laughs> kidding. Wow. No. Well. That's the kind of... Yeah, different institutions, you know, certain gangs can only go to certain institutions. That's the way that one is. So I'm sure Jimmy's going to be very happy to get out of there. I have a feeling Jimmy I don't think I would want to mess with the gay boy gangsters. Yeah. And Jimmy's on the Pokemon, and I every day, so wow. <laughs> he may well be coming over here. Well, I sure hope so. But, uh, that... That's the second beat. All right, Craig, well, it's all you. But thank you for shining the light on Jimmy and me and all the others that are stuck here behind the razor wire. And uh, it just, you know, for what they're doing to us and what they're doing to America in general, spending all that money on keeping us here, to kind of wonder what are they accomplishing. Well, it couldn't, you couldn't have said it better. We know what they're accomplishing, absolutely nothing. Um, you know, this is a, a fruitless uh, battle and what they're doing is just pissing away our tax dollars and pissing away good lives. And Craig is gone, and it always kind of breaks my heart a little bit every time Craig leaves. He gets his 15 minutes, and I know uh, he looks forward to this. When um, we weren't really pushing the show too hard and the listenership had gone down a little bit, uh, I said no matter what we're going to keep doing this show even if it's just so Craig gets a voice and uh, even when I wasn't doing a live show he would call in and and we would talk and I would uh, you know either record that conversation or or have it available so that others could hear it Um, it's just a little thing we can do you know we're all free to come and go we're free to, to to use cannabis or not we're free to take the chance of ending up where he is, but we have that freedom to choose. Uh, For 16 years, he's been locked up. And for everybody who thinks that we're done or even close to being done, I just want to encourage you to listen to Craig and think about what it would be like to have a life sentence in front of you and to know that there's a handful of people that care, and hopefully that handful of people is growing and not shrinking. So we've got a bunch of guests that hopefully will be calling in. I've got Janice Davis from our friendly Manitoba chapter that I, she should be calling any minute. Um, i got a bunch of things I want to talk about, though, as we're waiting for some guests to come aboard. First of all, I want to thank the Coffee Party Radio Network for giving us a place to be. And I know that since we're doing this streaming thing, people are more watching the stream than calling into the show, Um, and that's great. I don't really care how you listen as long as you do, but if you want to talk, if you want to be a part of this show, you can. All you got to do is call, and you just dial 646-929-2495, and we have either Becca or our amazing non-compliant Mary will talk to you and see what you have to say. If you're on the line listening and something comes up that you find interesting or upsetting or you want to make a comment about, just hang back up, call back up again and say, hey, i got something I want to say. We always make room for everybody that calls into the show. 
sometimes we've got to speed things along a little bit because we got too much to talk about. Um, but if you call in, we will make room for you. I've gone over time by an hour before because we had so many people on. Sometimes we don't have enough people, and I get tired of talking and we close down a little bit early, but that happens less often than you would imagine. All right. We're going to talk about the human solution and membership. The human solution is like a family. You know, we started out in uh, 2009, almost, well, uh, coming on eight years. It's about eight years now. It was about September 2009 that we were organizing, coming together. My case was, my first case um, was coming to a head, and we were gathering uh, court supporters. We were starting to already make these ribbons, and... Um, we were writing letters, and we were already trying to end prohibition. And um, I hadn't been raided yet, but I had the first case already in play. And I always thought that we were kind of like a family. We've never been a, you know, corporate structured kind of thing. Even though we're a 501c3 and we have a board of directors and all that, it's because we have to. Uh, how we operate is really grassroots. When somebody needs help, uh, we call each other. It's a phone tree. It's a, um, you know, an email list. It's we, we, we get everybody together and say, hey, we need some help. What can we do? Historically, we've been one of the most helpful organizations out there. When anybody anywhere in the nation has had a problem, they give us a call. And if we have anybody in the area, we will call, them, call on them and, and, and do what we can. Sometimes we're able to do a lot. Sometimes we're able to do a little. But even when we do a little, it makes a difference. It's that power of one. But what happens a lot of times in any family dynamic, a handful of people end up doing most of the work. And the rest of the people kind of are there um, they're part of it, but they don't actually contribute, or they contribute, but they're not actually part of it. We're trying to really bring this together again. We've done this before, and we're starting to do it again. And the value of being a member of an organization like this is something that I, I kind of hold dear. I've been the CEO of the organization. Hell, they won't, they won't let me out. Um, for since the, not quite the beginning, I wasn't the first president, but I've, once I got in, I've been here ever since. But I've always paid my dues. I've always been a, a card-carrying member. Uh, now I'm a 420 member. So I want to show you guys, and I don't know if I know how to do this right, but I'm going to try here. We'll bring the little camera over here. And I'm going to show you a little something. If you want to join up the Human Solution, all you have to do is go to this page, thsintl.org, and there's a membership button here. And we got a basic membership, $15 for a year. We've got an associate membership, $50 for the year. Sponsorship member, $100 for the year. And our favorite, the 420 membership. For $4.20 a month, you can be kind of the, the backbone of our support. And I don't know if this is back where it goes, but at least they'll come back and fix it. Hopefully it's okay. Anyways, what's happened in the last, I don't know, few weeks is been beating the drum. Anybody know anything about a drum circle? 
is you get one guy and he starts pounding the beat, and then you get another guy and he comes in, and then you get another guy and another guy, and before you know it, you start having some harmonies, and before you know it, you start having some complex rhythms, and before you know it, people can hear you from a while away, and they come and join, and they find a, a drum or a tambourine or a couple of sticks, and before you know it, you have something that can be very powerful. Um, you can raise energy. you get everybody working together, pounding on this drum, creating a vibration that echoes out into the universe together. Okay? And that's what I'm saying. This organization is a unique one, and, and we're all volunteer. Nobody makes a nickel. Any nickel we raise goes towards helping in prohibition. What do we do? Well, we print educational materials. We... Uh, put on educational events. We get out there and we teach people what to do. We teach them about their rights as a juror. We teach them how to mobilize. We teach them about how to be activists. And we get out there and we show them how to do it. It doesn't take a lot. So I just want to honor some people. We had a nice flurry of, uh, of membership this week, and I, and I want to bring a little attention. So we had one 420 member, and uh, it's John DeBlanc. And if I'm butchering your name, uh, hey, I'm giving it my best. And then we had three base, four basic memberships this week. Uh, we had Ian Anderson, and Ian Anderson is going to be a guest on the show in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Ian actually came to us a couple of years back, had a case, and I think it was in Minnesota. And we wrote some letters for him, and he had joined up way back then. Minnesota was a brutal place, and he did some time. He got out. I stayed in touch with his family. Some of our members stayed in touch. He got out, and he's like, hey, I'm out. I'm okay. You know, I, I made it. And uh, just this week he joined up as a member, and I talked to him uh, a couple of days ago, and he's going to come on the show and talk about it a little bit. Um, we got Todd Wright, who I've known for a while. Um, you know, he's he's doing some work in the, in the California industry, and he's been watching us. He's been actually wearing our ribbon. He's been admiring the work, and this week he decided to jump on in. And I... Uh, Gave me a warm fuzzy over that. And then we got Terry Lowe and her husband Theron. And, and Terry um, and Theron have been supporters for years. And, you know, Terry's been a court supporter. I've sat in courtrooms with her, I don't know, for probably about five years now. And we've, we've done some good. We've gotten some victories together. Um, and they decided to renew their membership this week. And we actually got two sponsors. Um, and this is actually kind of exciting because, uh, we get a lot of people that, uh, you know, hey, man, I'm with you. I'm there in spirit. I'm this and that. But we don't get a lot of folks that actually kick in and say, hey, I'm there. And just so you know, we are 501c3, and your donation is a tax write-off. So we had Kyle Johnson. He joined us this week. Um, been working with Kyle on a, on a lot of projects. And uh, Kyle's one of these guys that hopefully will never need us. Um, but he's a good guy, and, and I see him do a lot of good work and help a lot of people. So, we welcome him to the team. And then we got Dr. Kent Crowley, who's also doing a lot of work in the in the in the movement in the field, you know, in the medicine side of things. And um once again, hopefully he'll never need our help. Um but he's been very supportive and, and he recognizes the value of what we do. Um and I just really want to encourage you all. I, I'm not usually the guy that sticks my hand out and says, Hey man, donate. I, I hate to go fund me pages. I just all that stuff, it really is obnoxious to me. But the truth is, this is a 
membership. You know, people are members of all kinds of things. People are members of the of the animal group, and they're members of their church, and they're members of this and that. The other thing, we're asking for four dollars twenty cents a month. You're gonna drink uh, I don't know how many cups of coffee. You're gonna spend that much or more on. We're saying help us out a bit. All right. Anyways, on to the next show. We got Janice and Devin. I am so excited. Tomorrow at this time, I'm going to be on approach. Hell, I will have landed in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And let's just talk to these fine folk and see what's going on. Janice and Devin, how are you doing, my friends? Hi, Joe. Great. Thank you. Hello, Joe. How's it going? Great, thanks. It's been a been a fast summer here in Winnipeg, and we're really looking forward to our next meeting slash meet and greet with you, Joe here, the, the THSI founder, and we're excited to start uh, and share the conversation here in Winnipeg with you. Well, I am so looking forward to it. We're just about all packed up. I've got my I got my ride to the airport all set. I'm gonna be heading out four o'clock in the morning to get to the get to the airport uh-huh. in time and not not have any hassles. But I'm already checked in, and uh, I I couldn't be more excited. So, um, you know, I've been watching you guys and working with you guys what for almost five years now, huh? Well, we were just thinking about that today. I think it's closer today. to four, but over three going to be four, maybe in December, perhaps. All right, there you go. So almost four years. Anyways, yeah, we've been working together, and. You know, we're separated by, I don't know, close to 3,000 miles, at least 2,500 miles. And um, I have never worked with a group of people that was so easy to work with and so easy to be productive. You guys have required such little effort to uh, uh, to get what we're about and to, to be motivated and to uh, get out there and, and you know, it was funny, I mentioned to somebody, somebody asked me where I was going in Canada, and I, I said Winnipeg, and, and he says, oh, Cowboy Town. And I says, well, <laughs> maybe so, but these guys are, um, these guys are go-getters. It's, uh, it, it's, it's really been inspirational to watch you guys just march forward. And um, you guys have made a lot of progress as a nation, and yet part of the conversation that we're having on the show and – and that I'm going to bring to the, the meet and greet is, you know, where does it end? Um, you know, where does it end? And what is our ultimate goal? And how do we get there? And, you know, legislation is a part of it, but legislation that still creates criminals, I it doesn't quite cut it for me. And, and I think that, um, you know, we're going to have a, a, a nice discussion about how do we, how do we bring this home and, and make it to where there's not a, it's not a criminal effect. It's not a criminal act to cultivate, possess, transport, or distribute this plant anymore. Well, yeah, yes. And, and, and this would be great having you here because I believe, you know, growing the solidarity along cannabis does equal good companion planting for the task of repealing cannabis prohibition and freeing all prisoners. Now, while we try to provide well, is- support here, and oh, I'm sorry. No, I said that but was yes. well said. I, I like those words. I'm gonna to have to go back and listen to them. That was that was well stated. Well, you know, it's it's just like you know, we we here in Winnipeg and Canada, for that matter, we're we're feeling it still. There's there's a ripple effect over there, and we don't just see it. We we really do feel it, and I think that's where maybe a membership might even start here. You know, we felt it, and that's where we took the initiative. 
And while we try to provide court support and prison outreach, we also try to educate the defendants that aren't stepping up to the platform. And though membership has grown, unfortunately not everyone stays a member for various reasons. Uh, possible reasons such as their cases ended, health reasons, work. Oh, and many, uh, many um, play that card that prime, the Prime Minister has promised towards legalization. They think there'll be no more troubles and, well, no one will be going to jail for a plant and stuff like that, among other things, right? That's what they think, yeah, <laughs> until it happens. That's right. And as, as patients, we're trying to do the best we can here to extend this THSI platform. And we're blessed and we're to have had the great members that have stuck it out thus far with us. We know even with legalization promised inside of Canada that there's still going to be arrests and even jail time to some degree. We got you here still? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm listening with, uh, with bated breath. Absolutely. No, you're, you're well, that's absolutely... Great. We're just about and so as we continue to use any opportunity to, to offer this platform here, and we try our best to explain the platform that THSI has created, and that everyone's invited to use and, and, and gain this opportunity to, 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 to utilize the, the support and feel this type of synergy that you can feel here. And, and while we've attended court support and a handful of people in Manitoba, we regret that most of the time we're not able to do court support in other provinces, and we welcome anyone else listening to this in Canada to fire up a chapter in their province and let's end cannabis prohibition for once and for all. Some people just don't realize that even with legalization coming into Canada, that it's enslaved to cannabis prohibition. We never fully revoked or repealed cannabis prohibition. We legalized under the umbrella of cannabis prohibition. Sort of the same in the states, whereas you have this legalization in a number of states, but it too is under the umbrella of a federally controlled cannabis prohibition. What we all really need is a full repeal of cannabis prohibition. Then it's descheduling, too, would follow. You know, I kind of wish that Peter Tosh had written the tune called Repealize It instead of Legalize It. Anyways, we need to end this madness around And humans locking each other up for a plant is just it's just plain wrong. And Janice, well, You know, it's interesting, um, and, and we're going to talk about this in greater depth in some future shows, but, you know, one of the issues is the the... The people that are here about the medicine, the people that are here about the plant, the people that really need this medicine, when it's legalized, what happens? It gets more expensive. You go to a, a legal store and there's all this taxation and all of this uh, regulation and all these things that everybody thinks is so great and wonderful, and I don't have a problem with it as long as there's another avenue for people to do themselves what they need. And the problem is, is when somebody really gets sick, they don't have money to pay for this stuff in the same way. And unless it's available in your pharmacy and your insurance is going to pay for it, which as far as I know has not happened and is not happening, and it's not going to happen anytime soon, the people that need it most will not be able to get it legally through any legalization measure. And that's where the whole decrim idea really has to come to play because what happens unfortunately in every place where we've passed recreational laws the medical laws have been decimated and it just the people that need it most need to get it you need to be able to grow it for yourself you need to be able to make your own oil you need to be able to have an oil maker take care of a community you need to be able to do what needs to be done to make this natural medicine available to those people that need it, regardless of what the law says. Absolutely. Absolutely agreed. 
Well, I am so much looking forward to having a further conversation face-to-face with you fine folks. And uh, I, I got some new pages for the scrapbook printed up today. So we're going to be bringing our scrapbook in that has uh, photographs from – I've just moved it around. I'm sorry. I, I, I meddled a bit. But um, we're, we're, we've got a nice, I don't know, probably about 40, 40 pages double. So it's probably about 80 pages altogether now. That's photographs from, you know, kind of from the beginning, mostly kind of from about 2000. 11 up to the current day, but um, I'm still gathering pictures. That's part of why we're doing this contest is to hopefully get people to find some of their older pictures or or keep taking these pictures so people can see. I think when I bring this scrapbook and we show it around at this uh, event, people can see the, the richness of this organization, the hundreds of people that have come together all around all around the states in Canada in the UK, we've had cases in the UK. We've had uh, cases in Mexico. We've had, you know, cases in other places as well. And this is not uh, a regional issue. This is a, an issue that uh, is a grassroots issue that we we come together when we're needed, where we're needed, and for whatever we're needed. So I am so grateful to have you guys as part of our team. I've always talked about you guys as as the biggest little chapter we have. So I, uh, I, I'm looking forward to coming up there and hopefully helping to grow it a bit and uh, meet some of the fine folks yeah. up there in friendly Manitoba. It's, it's great, and it's, it's, it's always amazing. i got to add, you know, the people you do meet when you get involved like this. We've met some absolutely amazing people just, just through court support. Yeah. I'm really looking forward well, and, to and, uh, the people meeting you too. Oh, absolutely, and, and I think one of the things to remember, it, it gets frustrating sometimes as a leader because, like you said, you mentioned that we've watched membership come and go, and yeah. I think that when we can separate ourselves, and it's hard to do because it's a personal thing. You get connected with the folks you're working with, and you, you just want them to stay because they were so good, and they were so helpful, and they, you, know, they, you get momentum going. But I think when you look back and you just realize that, you know, when somebody was there for a minute or a season, they brought something to it that's still there. And hopefully they introduce somebody who will still come around. And you'd be surprised when you stay the course. When you start building and you get a little light shining brighter and brighter, I've been watching. I've been watching. I've been starting to beat the drum a little bit louder, and I'm watching some of the folks that have come and left. I'm watching some of them come back. And I think that that's what's going to start happening. People are going to realize, you know what, we need to get together one more time and have this one yeah. big push, and let's just push this wall down once and for all. And you know what, we are making history here. Absolutely, brother. All right, well, I'm uh, going to move along. I am so excited. But, uh, 24 hours from now, we're going to be hanging out <laughs> in uh, Winnipeg, Manitoba. History, brother. Awesome. Yeah. All right, you guys. I I will uh, see you tomorrow. (laughs) Thanks for this opportunity again. We'll see you tomorrow. See you later. You betcha. All right, Janice and Devin Davis from our friendly Manitoba chapter. Um, Just so excited uh, to to go up to the Great White North and uh, do a little outreach and and, and meet some of the leaders up there. Okay, we got Jennifer Wynn. Um, Jennifer Wynn is another uh, whirlwind. (laughs) She's out on the road, she's 
the tip of the spear. She just got back from Washington, D.C., and uh, she was out there. I watched some of her uh, live feed videos and, um, you know, fighting for children's rights, uh, fighting against this monster of a, of a entity that we've allowed to exist, uh, uh, DCFS and the DFS and the, the Child's Department of Safety and all this crap in the name of, of protecting children in the name of, of keeping children safe, we have this abomination that, that unfortunately has used the drug war and prohibition as a, a lethal weapon and uh, has given them carte blanche to go in and just snatch kids and make accusations. And uh, they've gone virtually unchecked. And uh, Jennifer and a whole bunch of folks have gathered together and they're raising awareness and they're uh, letting people know that it doesn't have to be that way and we don't have to allow this. And in Jennifer's own words, and I'm sure she'll reiterate this, it is not acceptable. So without further ado, my friend mm -hmm. Jennifer Wynn, welcome to the show. Thank you. And I barely have a voice, so I am, <laughs> I have been screaming for two days. Um, I've been listening. Was, I've been listening. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you something, you're absolutely right. When we come together, great things happen. And we actually, you know, in this, in this march, you know, it is for the children because children are being affected by prohibition. Children are being affected by corruption, and their future is being destroyed right in front of our faces, and we're not doing anything. And we had a meeting. I want to. I want to. I want to bring a few highlights. Let me. Let me bring a few highlights to our event. Number one, I want to say this. You know, there was there was some infighting going on, and it wasn't. It, it I didn't can't believe that. Involve, oh, I know, right? But it didn't involve me directly. <laughs> but there was. But you know what? <laughs> and I just kept preaching the same thing. It doesn't matter. All of us are not perfect. The personalities are not always going to match, but it doesn't matter. You have to set that aside, and we have to stay focused, and we have to accomplish this mission because our children depend on it. And we were able to do that. I was so proud of everyone because we were able to do that. And the other highlight for me, and I, I have goosebumps right now on my arms just talking about it. Even though my body and my voice, everything about me is exhausted, I didn't want to miss the opportunity to tell you how overwhelming it was to have that unity of 200, 225 parents coming together. Let me tell you something, Joe. We probably passed in that four, I swear, I swear we walked four miles. Um, but I, I'm telling you this, thousands of people were there at the tourist site and hundreds upon hundreds whipped out their cameras and they started filming and they started taking pictures. They started asking questions. See, that's the difference. When you have 250 people united, that's what happens. Yes. So Every I, I want to also bring... Every time, every time we're successful when the unity happens, every single time, even throughout history. So I, I was so proud of everyone that was able to set aside those differences, set aside those personality conflicts, 
and focus on the, the general mission. And we were successful at accomplishing that. So here's the other thing I want I couldn't, I was dying to tell you this. So we had a meeting afterwards um, yesterday. We had a, I prepared a barbecue, me and some of the girls and guys, I shouldn't say these girls, but uh, we prepared a barbecue after um, the end of the day so that everybody could come and eat. And um, we had a meeting and, and I proposed this. We united on many different fronts. You understand this group was actually a group of fathers who have been alienated through family law. It was a group of mothers who have been alienated through family law. It was both mothers, fathers, and grandparents who have been alienated by our government entities, such as CPS or DCF, which is Department of Children and Family Services. Each state kind of has their own different name. But what I proposed in this meeting as we were talking about the pros and the cons and what we could do different next year, how we're going to move forward with legislation, I proposed that we needed to include all of our children, not just ones that have this branch of corruption or that branch of corruption. Our children are being locked in juvenile detention facilities for a plant. Our children are then being forced medicated psychotropic drugs if they chose to use that plant. And I think that we need to strongly stand with our children And I think if we fix and we attack that side, attacking the adult side of the nonviolent victimless arrests and the imprisonment, I think would be, would would almost fall in line. Now, you you tell me what you think, but the, the reality is this. Our juvenile detention facilities are full of children because of what? Prohibition. Period. The majority is more than 80% of our juvenile facilities are filled with our children for prohibition, not for violent crimes, not for victims that they've left hurt, not for property that they have destroyed. We're talking the same statistics with our adult prisons, only these are our children. And it starts, that's how they start in the system. You know this, Joe. They like to get the children in the system because once they're in the system, they like to keep them there and just simply transfer no. from the juvenile to the adult prison. So exactly. I think that next year for the Million Parent March, I want to, and we, we had some long discussions that were very productive, and it is very productive. Joe, even remember when you were here for Kyler's trial, and every day after the hearing we would come and we would sit and we would discuss and we would communicate what the best strategy, how do we do this. When we, excuse me, when we have that ability to communicate at that level face-to-face, you know what I mean? It, it's so much, to me, it's so much more productive. And it is powerful. So I learned something that it, it doesn't have to necessarily be the same platform. You know what I mean? The, the levels of corruption and the web that prohibition has spun filters through many layers. And if we could bring, you know, I'm, I'm the big fan of the coalition, right? Bringing all of the, um, you know, the, the organizations that stand against prohibition together. And, and we keep, I still 
I still to this day tell other people that we, we need to do this. We, it's already set up. We need, we need to move forward. Um, and, you know, uh, leap, you know, they, they were going to be so involved and then just nothing. But, um, and I don't have a problem well, you know what? because that's First, the truth. With leap, I, I met with uh, Neil Franklin in Georgia just uh, less than a month ago. And he's committed to getting more active and uh, participating more. So I'm, I'm, I've, I've not stopped either. And you well, know what? I was me. saying just earlier, and we were talking to the Canadians, and they were saying, you know, how people come and they go, and they come in for the purpose, and then their case is over and they leave. It, it, it's rampant. But the problem thing is, is if we keep marching. It doesn't matter. If enough of us keep marching, people will fall off, and then they'll run up and catch up again. And and I actually had dinner with Neil Franklin, and we talked. I learned a lot about where he came from, what their organization is doing, and this united front and using prohibition as this common thread that wraps around, and, and, and each of these different groups have their own specific specialty. And we need people that specialize in, in protecting the children. And we need people that specialize in, in going to the courtrooms. And we need people that specialize in getting the laws changed. And we need all of that. But together, together is where that strength is. And I think as we're able to articulate that and, and find that common goal, rather than looking at the thing that is different about us or why we don't get along or what's wrong with this or that, Finding that thing, that common thread that says, look, you're into this, I'm into this. Look, it's the same thing. Let's just stand together yes. for a minute get it yes. done. Yes, that's what I say. And I don't, I don't, I guess I don't know how to convince everyone other than I keep preaching. But I don't know how to convince <laughs> them that that's what has to happen. And, you know, today, as I was going through the airport, I'll just give you a brief example. I was thinking about <clears throat> when I landed, and, and let me give you, I, I kind of snapped on the plane. We we got to the airport after they had canceled one flight, and I finally got on another flight, and I'm in New York, and they announced that once once we finally get a plane, we get to Washington, and we're on the tarmac, and the, the pilot announces that, well, we're not going to be able to offload at our gate because the plane that's on its way to Boston can't leave because there's fog in Boston, right? And he announces that we could be possibly an hour to an hour and a half on the tarmac. Now, I'm in a full plane, and I'm in the very back seat. And I'm looking <laughs> around at everybody else, and I'm going, that is absolutely not acceptable. Not acceptable. <laughs> and everybody else is kind of like, oh, you know, just kind of putting their heads I'm only down. Happy I'm like, I've been there. I know, I know what that feels like. <laughs> yeah, I, I wasn't having it. I just was not having it. So I, I, of course, you know, me and my big mouth, I'm going. No wonder our country's in the position it's in. This is not acceptable, and I'm not your <laughs> hostage. You need to use common sense and move the damn plane. I mean, how hard is it? 
right? So I start calling. I'm calling the control tower. I'm calling security. <laughs> I want to know who's making these decisions. I called Ann, who was out in my truck in Washington, and I said, you go in the front door and you ask for a supervisor while I'm on the phone. And it took me 15 minutes, but guess what? They moved that damn moved. plane. Sure did. <laughs> because I'm not well, complacent. That's not acceptable. Common sense should have played a role. But it doesn't. And people, that whole plane, they, I'm sure somebody probably was sneaking a video, but I didn't care. I, I mean, I'm speaking my mind because common sense should have won. But then as I'm watching, I finally get to Washington, right, and I'm all beside myself. But, but the reality is this. Even today, even today, I'm sitting there. Now, I'm, I'm zone three. So you've got frequent flyers, first class, zone one, zone two, and I'm zone three, right? Uh, all the way and I'm, I'm looking, um, And I'm looking at this, and I'm going, okay, now think about this for a minute, Jennifer. Why are they always loading the plane in the front first, right? Because it makes sense that you would pack the plane in the back and move it forward when you're getting ready to leave, and then when you land, you would empty the front out and then move towards the back, right? That would make sense. But see, right. money, money overtook yep. common sense. Money exactly. did that. And that Does is what happened to our country. That same analogy is what's happening to our country. Money is talking over common sense with our children, with mass incarceration, with everything that's going on with corruption, it works just like the airplane. And it's wrong. It's wrong. Either way you look at it. It's, it makes havoc. It's more difficult to walk down the aisle when you've got a bag in front and a bag in the back and you've got people on both sides and you're trying to not trip over them, their feet, their arms. And it would be so much simpler if you loaded the back of the plane first. But money overthrew the common sense factor. So I don't know how to get away from that because it seems that very few of us truly cherish the dollar over humanity, but there are so many that are in power that do. How do you change that? My opinion is you start running for these offices. You start putting these people in and stop picking them apart. Stop worrying about the past mistakes because that's what we need. We need people who have made mistakes and learned from them. We need people with common sense that won't use the mighty dollar to overthrow that. But see, we're we're so busy with petty shit, picking one another apart, that we're losing sight of the goal, and that's exactly what these people want us to be doing. So I would encourage everyone to stop and think about what can I do? Can you run for that office? Can you get out there and go to court on a Monday, every Monday or every other Monday? Can you go watch what's actually happening in our juvenile courts? Can you go watch what's happening in our probation hearings that are public? Or what about the Senate hearings or the legislative forums or the committee hearings that are going on at your Capitol? Those are the things that we need to be doing and then educating with what we're seeing. And if we continue that and we can put away the petty bullshit I think that we could actually make a difference. So I want to plan on next year on the Million Parent March. I want you there. I want you there. All right. I want 
everybody there to represent our children that are being taken into a mass incarceration situation based on prohibition, which is an absolute violation of our constitutional rights. Because remember, children have rights too. And remember this, everyone should be willing to stand up and defend a child, right? Well, you're absolutely everyone. right. And, and one of the things that, you know, historically, since my case was over, hell, even while my case was going on, I, I've done what I could to get out there and go where it was needed. And I think that, you know, I'm finding fewer and fewer cases where people are willing to stand up and fight. And it frustrates the hell out of me because mm-hmm. I can't imagine why everybody's taking these goddamn plea deals. And it, and it, and it just tears my heart open because I'm like, we could win these cases if they would just fight them. But I'm not willing to pick up another case just to show everybody this again. I did my six years. Right. I'm good. So right, now, right. now I'm I'm taking a proactive point of view, and I went out to Atlanta and and we participated with the Netroots conference, and now I'm making plans. I'm going up to Manitoba, and I'm going to go and 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 do some organizing up there. I'm now looking at participating in some of these events, and I just got to get dates and and locations ahead of time so I can make it happen, save up and and do it. I mean, I do this on my dime just like you do on your dime, and I'm willing to make that important because if I can't find people to stand up and fight for, then we'll go and we'll take it to them and we'll educate people and we'll show them what they need to do to just change it where we don't have to worry about that anymore. And I'm 100% on board with I will be there with you next year. I think that'll be awesome. And I think that if, if, you know, my thought process was in this meeting, we had some great constructive criticism. Um, Kyle, who stepped up as the project manager to put it together, really did a great job for his first year. Didn't really know who was who, you know what I mean? Um, And really put it together. I mean, he worked hard and he donated all of his time to do it. So, we we picked up more volunteers in that and last night, Joe, you would have been you would have been a we literally had fifty people come for the barbecue and to talk about our pros and our cons. And um we were so productive. I, I mean it, it was just it, it it was overwhelming. It reminded me a lot of what you and I did when it was Kyler's trial. And, um, right. but it was just on sure. a big mass scale. Um, right. so I, it was, it was something to behold. Let me tell you, I was so pumped up about it. And when I presented the criminal justice of the juvenile facilities, as well as how it would flow over into the adult facilities, every single person, every single person was on board and nobody rejected that. And that told me something that told me something um, that if we all unite on a front that next year, the million parent March should consist of a million people because surely a million people, right. That would stand up for our kids in this country. Um, So I'm already. And, but I I am, I am moving towards, um, you know what I mean? Trying to bring that all together. And I'm going to work very hard over this next year um, to make sure that we're very successful in the message. And the message is end prohibition, end corruption, and leave our children alone. That, that's the message for me. And um, I think that we've all been saying the same thing, just different ways. And I think that um, the same message is there across the board. 
um, and we just have to stand up and do something about it. So I, I'm I'm very hopeful, and I I've got a like a new fire lit. I needed that um, because it motivates right me. I, I have I, hope. I'm the drum again. I'm 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 energized for some strange reason. I've watched uh, a new little bit of spark happen, and it doesn't take much to get me going. So um, I'm right there with you. And here's something I want to propose, Jennifer. I've I've experienced, and I and I was I was the same way when I was in Kansas. If we can just find a short-term target and keep going from target to target to target to target, and 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 have a a, a date for something to happen. I don't care if it's a meeting or or a barbecue or a, a, a letter writing or whatever the hell it is. But if we can go from target to target by the time we get to next year. We'll have this thing not only figured out, but we'll have so much more support than if we decide, you know, a month before to get everybody together. Correct. And we're moving targets. So I'll be making, I'll be making some calls, and I'll be doing some things um, over the winter when I slow down. Um, but it was, it was, it was such a great experience, and it reminded me a lot of the experience with Kyler. And how we all came together, even through the differences, the the the, the broad message was you're not going to take any more of our kids. That's, that's how that's how I saw that. And the same message, just it. If you would have seen all those people whipping out cameras, and how many people stopped me and wanted to know what was going on and why are we. What are they doing to our children? And I explained how prohibition played in. And do you know not one person said to me, oh, pot should be putting them in jail. Not one person said You know that. why? Because they're starting to know better. They're, they're know. starting to know better. And, and you know, so we, think we, we do live in a world where, you know, uh, 100 years ago, if, if 200 people got together, by the time the word got around to everybody else, it would be months later because there wasn't this instant information exchange like we have now, it's right. so much easier to get so many more people involved. And that's what's even more frustrating to me. It's because what the hell? Why aren't we viral every second? All it should take is, you know, ten of us to say the same thing at the same time, and boom, it should just go off. But meanwhile, every time we go out there, every single time, and you know, Jennifer, what you did out there and all those people that were with you, the effects of this are not even begun to materialize. You've got people talking about it. You've got thinking about it. You've got people looking it up. You're going to get phone calls. You're going to have people reaching out going, what can I do? And that's where it's critical. We've got to be able to direct these people. Correct. And that's why I want to get we're, – we're looking at, at getting everybody organized. We're going to have a date set very early. Um, and we're going to start making plans. I mean, that's what we did. <clears throat> Basically, we started making plans immediately following the, the march. So um, we had veterans there. We had, I mean, people just were there because in one form or another, they're being affected by corruption, and it's our children. And everybody was on board with that, and it was great. It was just great. I can't say that enough. It was great. Um, uh-huh. I love it when that unity kicks in and I love it even when there's you know chaos in between it it, it all went away for that march and that's what's important so are we going to have disagreements yes is are there people going to like each other no I've said this all along I didn't do this to make friends 
I did this to <laughs> end corruption. Make a, we probably make as many enemies as we do friends, but who cares oh, as I, long I as we get the you. job. <laughs> I assure you I do. Um, but, you know, we have to ignore those. And we just have to keep pushing forward. And, and I kind of get that from you, Joe. I just keep pushing forward. You know, I read an article today, CJ Online um, in the Topeka Capital Journal had me in their paper today um, talking about the possibility of me running and there's no women running for governor. But he made a comment that, well, she only ran to bring awareness to her son's murder trial. No, I didn't. I ran. Because what they were doing to my son, as well as the 2.6 million other sons, was not acceptable. I well, listen, want, Jennifer, if you were only run. running to, to help your son, you would have stopped when your son's trial was over. Yes, I understand that very much so. And, you know, so it kind of amuses me when I still see that that's the excuse. Well, if I run and I announce that I'm going to run next month, what's their excuse going to be then? Right. So well, it doesn't yeah, matter what they think. What matters is that action begets action, and the, the, those of us that are acting are going to inherently bring more people to help. And it's really on us. It's, it's going to take a few dedicated, smart, focused, willing people to bring this together and to lead. And it's the hardest thing to find people capable and willing to lead. I find people capable but they're not willing. And I find people willing, but they're not capable. So we just right. need to keep going. A few people are, and, you know, it, it, most of the time they're, they're um, what's the word, where they're, you're, you're unwilling, or I don't know, the, the it wasn't your goal in life to be a leader, but you just got thrown into it, and it's just it part did. of what you're made yeah. of. Yeah, it's just not something I ever aspired to do, Joe. I never aspired to kill myself, work 60 hours a week, keep a roof over my head, deal with 10 grandchildren, four kids with four spouses, you know what I mean, plus my own life of bills and bills and more bills, (laughs) you know? But it's passion because, uh, again, I will say this, and I, I said this even the other day, never. Ever will my grandchildren or my children ever have to look at me and say, Mom, why didn't you do something? That will never exactly. happen. That will exactly. never happen. Well, I've been all along, we are making history. And some of the things we've done years ago have made a mark and have changed the course of things. And the things we're doing today are doing the very same thing. And that's what... If we all can realize it, that our actions are begetting more actions and we are making history, this show is making history. You're telling us about what you did is going to inspire one or two or ten people to go, you know what, maybe I should just, I don't know, go and do something. And right. once you do, you'll get the bug. You'll, you'll, you'll see the value of doing something. And it'll be hard to stop. In fact, some of us, refuse to stop. So, Jennifer, I'm going to let you get back to it, but I, it's always a treat, and I'm very glad to hear about your exploits and your and your progress, and please include me in uh, um, in your planning and, and the upcoming events. I will do it, and I'm going to go to bed now, but thank you for everything you do. Thank you for inspiring <laughs> everyone else, and I will talk to you soon, Joe.
Beautiful. All right, folks. Again, Jennifer Wynn from Kansas, just coming back from Washington, D.C., and she's been championing uh, children's rights and, and parents' rights and uh, the cause of a child who isn't even capable of defending themselves or voting or even having a real voice and, and, and the notion of having a child being removed from their family because of some substance that somebody may or may not have been growing or consuming that obviously wouldn't have had a negative impact on that child's safety. Uh, to think that that could ever happen, much less at the rate that it does, the numbers she was quoting were up to 80% of the children that are in the system are in some way related to prohibition is dumbfounding and completely unacceptable. So hopefully, folks, you're paying attention. Hopefully this is getting to you. This is the real deal. This is a cup of joe, <laughs> and sometimes it's bitter, and sometimes it's sweet, but this is the real stuff. And it's a strong brew today, and I'm really grateful for those people that are taking a moment off the front lines to come and share this with you. I'm really hoping to uh, watch you guys in some of the next things and watch this show grow and watch this movement grow and watch uh, the coalition grow. I just can't say that enough. All right. I have a smile on my face because a friend of mine, has joined the show, and her name is Lisa Sublet, and I just love me some Lisa Sublet. So let's just get right to it. <laughs> I'm not going to have much of an intro. I'm just going to let you talk. How you doing, sweetheart? <laughs> I'm doing good. How are you? What a fabulous show you are having. Wow. Uh, that is a st- you know, what we, what we did is we started doing this live stream, and as much as I hate Facebook, I don't like anything about it, but for whatever reason, you put something on a video, and people are starting to engage. And I've got guests scheduled now up into November, and we've got shows. Wow. I mean, we're going to be doing a show. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting stuff. And, and I've got people willing to come on as regulars and share their uh, the, the progress of these things. And, and we're building this coalition that we've been talking about for two years solid now. And yeah. it's happening. It's happening. So, you have been pounding away in Kansas, and my God, you've always had such a full plate. I, 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 I don't look at a lot of people's posts. In fact, I really very seldom even go on social media, but every once in a while I'll poke in, and my God, you've always got a hundred things going on. So tell us what's happening <laughs> with Kansas and, and the world of Lisa. <laughs> well, that would be a whole other show, uh, but we'll just... <laughs> That would be a whole other show because uh, I, I, I'm like Jennifer. I've got seven kids and three grandkids, and my mom is 90, and I take care of her. So that would be a whole other show. But, um, yep. yeah, well, it's been interesting. Uh, over the last few weeks, we had a statewide symposium on the opioid crisis put on by the Kansas Health Institute, and uh, we attended that. And the keynote speaker was awesome. And really came from a healthcare perspective that this needs to be addressed as a public health issue and that the the punitive approach is not going to be the way out of this. We handed him, we have a, a document we compiled and all the research is just on uh, how cannabis 
has a science-based seat at the table for this discussion. It, it absolutely plays a vital role in harm reduction when it comes to the opioid crisis. So we put together, uh, and we could have gone on and worked on it for another three months. It could have been another 100 pages long, but we had to stop at some point. But it deals with cannabis and pain management, and then also its role in the opiate crisis, both as prevention on the front end and as an exit drug as part of a, a medically supported treatment plan on the uh, tail end as an exit drug. And so the first panel, it went really great because <laughs> it was all medical people. And we were able to give the keynote speaker our information. We were able to talk to the lawmakers that were there. The attorney general for the state was there. Everything went really fine. And, you know, on the break, we're networking like crazy, of course, handing out stuff, showing people the information. We'll be glad to send it to you, get it to you. All of the major Kansas health organizations were there. Second panel comes up, and there was a representative from Pharma, literally the group Pharma there, um, the tracking people, you know, who track it and then cut people off and whatever, and it was law enforcement. I was not able to ask a a question during the first panel, so I got up to ask a question during the second panel, and the moderator kept trying to cut me off, and I have really bad social anxiety. You talk about, you and Jennifer talking about, we don't get chosen for the, or we don't choose this, it chooses us. So it's kind of like how God chose Moses to stutter, Uh, you know, it's like, why would you pick someone with, you know, like gut-wrenching social anxiety to do this? You know, but so I'm trying, every time she interrupts me, you know, I still, I'm like, I have to stay on task. I have to say what I'm going to say and make the case and everything else. And then the only people who jumped on it were law enforcement. And what was interesting is, and the reaction was horrible, but the thing that was good about that is the discussion that happened afterwards. I'm sorry. I said, was this recorded? I I would like to see that. Um, I don't know if it was. One of our people who was there did a uh, an audio recording of the whole meeting. I know, so I know it's on audio. Um, okay, I'd love to hear it. It was pretty traumatic. I actually cried all the way home from Topeka until I got back and I found out that two of my seizure kids were having horrible seizures and other stuff was going on. I was like, okay, get, get some perspective because again, with social anxiety, it's horrible. You know, it's just, it's absolutely like your worst nightmare. But like when you have those naked in the classroom, <laughs> dreams, that's right. what it was like for me. Right. But it keeps you on task. And then, but what was great is, so even though it seemed to be a really horrible experience, sticking to my guns, what happened was some really wonderful things. Like a, a very well known healthcare advocate in Kansas who has his own fight here came over to me right afterwards. And he's a quiet man, but he said very loudly so the whole room could hear him Lisa, ma'am, I would just give up and you just keep swinging. And I just, you know, and he didn't have to do that, right? He was such a mensch to do that. And then afterwards, we heard the response from some really top people, like people who head up. Uh, for big, huge insurance companies for, like, the whole state and things like that going, it should be part of the discussion. They shouldn't have cut her off. You know, we should have this information. So 
you know, you put yourself out there. It's not always comfortable. It's not always fun. But the perspective was that it still had positive ripples. And then when I got home and I heard about how our kids were suffering, you know, it, it puts in perspective why you do it. The mission is more important than the person, than the individual always. And so for people you're talking about, they have to be available. They have to be willing to push yourself to new things and do new things that sometimes are hard or difficult, but it's worth it when you come back and one of your kids is having hundreds of seizures again each day and uh, things are going on or one of them had a seizure and hit her little head so hard. Um, You know, those are the things um, that realize you are not important. (laughs) What you're doing is important. That's what you've been given to do. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's about making this world a world that our kids deserve and our grandkids deserve. And frankly, it's not that. No, absolutely. I was I was just agreeing with you, like what Jennifer said. So you can tell your kids, your grandkids, you did something to try to change the world and to set that example. And so, um, you know, I just said, well, you didn't get sprayed with hoses. You didn't have the dog sticked on you. Uh, so pick up your big girl panties and, and yeah, and and get on with it, you know. And so, and uh, obviously, we're not asking other people. Not everybody has to put themselves in that kind of a situation. That was my worst case scenario, and I had to face it, you know, uh, as someone with really bad social anxiety. But for other people, maybe, you know, they're not sure about their writing skills or whatever. Well, and so they don't really send as many emails as they could, or, or maybe they don't feel so comfortable being on the phone or whatever. But maybe you can try to push yourself just a little bit to get to that next level, or you're not sure what you can do. Well, you know, you can always ask. You can always say, listen, I'm willing to do something, but I don't really know what, what I could do. What could I be helpful at? We'll find something for you. Any one of us in advocacy working across, yeah, across the nation, Joe will find something for you to do. Trust me. (laughs) (laughs) I will find, I will find something for you to do. So I can, I'll put somebody who can. (laughs) Right. Exactly. There is something for everybody to do. So just don't be afraid to step out there. It's not always comfortable. I mean, you heard Jennifer didn't even have a voice. Not everybody has to push themselves to the limits that maybe like some of us have to for, you know, but you can push your limits a little bit. Less of us would have to push ourselves to the limits. I'm just saying. Well, <laughs> yes, brother. I, I'm not going to disagree with that. <laughs> Hallelujah. My, our, our family certainly wouldn't disagree with that, right? Our loved ones, our, well, our they kids. Not. Yeah. Uh, no, they would not. No, they would not. You know, <laughs> right. I, I have a deal with my wife that if I go back to Kansas, she gets another chihuahua, and I am trying like <laughs> hell not to have Sure, but I understand. 
I understand the sentiment. I think most of our families it, it, understand that sentiment. It'll have to be sentiment. pretty dire straits, and I will have to be a, 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 a linchpin to make something happen because another chihuahua in my house would just be one too many. No, but, but, but on a serious note, we go where we need to. We do what we need to. And I want to talk to you off the air. I don't talk about what I do privately, but I, I'm working with some doctors with some good uh, information about not only children, not only seizures, and not only with uh, pain management and harm reduction, but we, you and I need to talk off the air because um, I can be helpful, I think. Okay. Well, I'm always looking for, you know, new information. And uh, so I will look forward to that. And I I have something, we have something kind of big going on. I can't talk about it yet. I told you personally. After this weekend, like maybe. (laughs) Well, I haven't announced it to our our people yet, but, um, and that's just to, um, for reasons that we, that we kind of have to, but after this weekend, we have a big deal going on this weekend. Let's just put it that way. And after this weekend, then I'll be able to uh, talk about it. But it's it'll be well, it's something I've been working. On the show next. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but yeah, it's something that I've been working on or uh, pursuing for about three years. So it's the uh, it's one of those milestones that we get to, and we kind of go, "Oh my God, maybe we are actually getting somewhere." <laughs> <laughs> well, for those that are watching me, this grin that you see on my face is. I know something you don't know, but I'm not saying. <laughs> I will definitely let everybody know. I will definitely let everybody know next week for sure. Beautiful. I am so looking forward to being able to share that. It's some exciting news, and uh, you've been working hard. And you know what? The, the message is, again, stay the course, people. Don't give up. Yes. It doesn't no, matter if no. you're tired. It doesn't matter. You don't have to sprint every day. You you can take a rest for a couple of days and just walk a little bit, but keep going. Don't give up. And the more yeah. of us that don't give up, we will get there. We're getting there. So once again, I always love to yeah. hear uh, coming out of your camp, and um, I look forward to talking to you next week. Okay. Well, I love you, Joan. I know the next time, hopefully when I get to see you, I know that there will be a chihuahua involved. <laughs> There will be a chihuahua involved. <laughs> and my wife will love you even more. <laughs> Rescue chihuahua will have a home. <laughs> well, maybe we'll invite... with... Thank right. you. All right, Lisa. I will talk to you next week. And let's talk before that, though. I'd like to talk to you about some of that, that uh, inside work. Sure, absolutely. All right, well, blessings to you and everyone. Yep, you take care now. All right, let's see. We got some last-minute callers coming in, and I got 13 minutes left, so I have a funny feeling we're going to go a little bit long. So we have Cody Donnelly in from Riverside. We got Galen and Lori from Las Vegas, and we got Tom Corby with the NorCal Report. So I'm going to start with Cody. We're going to go to Lori and Galen, and we'll let Tom Corby finish up the NorCal Report. All right, so here we go. We're going to start up with Cody, and welcome to the show, Cody Donnelly. How are you doing today? Hey, Joe. How are you doing? God bless y'all. I really, really need to ask you something that I'm, I'm 
dumbfounded about. My doctors and so many other of people that I know that go to doctors, the other patients, or not, not that I know, I don't know them well, but I see them at the doctor's office, and they're going through the same thing. These doctors at IHP are telling me that they will no longer give me any of the anxiety medication or, or no longer uh, give me any of my pain medication if I don't quit using my marijuana. I tried to explain to them that I'm not a cancer patient. They know that. I am a terminally ill patient. I do have many, many things in my body that cause enormous amounts of pain. And the marijuana for me is not a cure-all. It's not cancer. It is a great additive. It's wonderful for anxiety. It's wonderful for nausea. And it really, really does help me ease the pain down. But it doesn't take care of it all. Sometimes the pain gets too much bigger than me. And it's going for other patients, too. And these doctors, uh, to me, it's discrimination. How can you tell a patient when they're legal to use this product and to use marijuana, a gift from God, we're legal to use it. We fought for it. We fought for it. I stood in those picket lines. We fought for it years ago. And they're telling me if I don't stop, and I barely take the pain medicine. I only take them when the pain gets so much bigger than me because I know the hospital will not help me. They can't fix me. They asked me the last time what I was doing there. And then they told me I'd have to leave because I wouldn't have the stress test. I mean, doctors are not right there on our side yet. They're just not. They're the ones who are not on our side. Very, very few are. And I don't know what to do about this. I want a class action lawsuit. I've been trying to get a hold of any attorney that will listen to it. And I can't find anybody. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So, well, they, Cody, they, you I, are not alone. And we have a lot of people that are facing the same problems. And uh, a lot of veterans are finding the same problem, um, and I, I know a bunch of them, and I know a lot of people that are, are feeling the same, and, um, you know, if we can find the problem is, is is I know a lot of attorneys. I know a lot of attorneys that have said they're going to do this and that and the other thing, um, but getting them to actually do it has been a little more difficult. I actually have two attorneys coming on the show next week, um, and maybe we can ask them. Um, so next week's show is going to feature uh, two attorneys and, and a few other folks. Um, maybe we can talk about what can we do to uh, make these changes because what happens typically, and it's not just uh, for one thing or another, but when a, a primary care physician or a pain management doctor or a veteran's doctor finds out that you're using cannabis, they decide, well, if that's what you're going to use, then you can't use anything else. And there's no science behind it, and there's no uh, no proven harm that could come from it, but it's their policy for one reason or another. So I will continue to try to find attorneys that are willing to help, but, you know, unless I had a huge donation that we could hire an attorney um, and say, here, here's a chunk of money, go, go file this suit and let's create this class and let's let's go after it on that level. I haven't found anybody willing to just do it. Um, but we do keep trying. I, You know, the whole lawyer conversation is always a difficult one with me because I've been in contact with so many lawyers, and there's some good ones out there, and there's some that have done some good work, and there's some that continue to do good work. But usually the ones that are doing good work are so overwhelmed with so much good work to do that they are spread too thin to take on too many other things. So 
I think that we all need to step up and, and look into our resources. Listen to Cody's um, uh, plea for help, and let's see what we can do, if we can think of some way, because it's not just Cody. It's so many people, in, even in states where uh, cannabis is legal for medical use or recreational use, if you think that you're going to be a cannabis patient and use other types of pain management or, or, or psychotropics or all kinds of different things that they won't let you have if you're using cannabis. So, Cody, um, you're always in my thoughts and prayers, and I will continue to do what I can. I'm always on the hunt for uh, uh, an attorney that can champion the cause. Please, and God bless you, Joe. God bless Liz. God bless all of Willow Creek Springs. I love you guys, and I really, really need to make this class action lawsuit as far as I can. So please, please, when they come on next week, next week, I want to talk to them. I need to talk to them. I need to plead for myself and for other others well, like me. We call in next week, we and we will uh, do what we can do. We don't have the bodies to take it. We don't have the blood pressure. We just need to be back on our medications and be left alone, and we'll see our doctors every All right, Cody, you've dropped off. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to move along. I can't hear I can't hear you, but call in next week and we'll keep on going. Again, Cody Donnelly from Riverside, California. All right, up next we got Galen and Lori, our chapter coordinators from our Las Vegas chapter. Burning buddies. I always love to talk to my burning buddies. How are you guys doing today? Hey, hey guys, we're great. <laughs> We're hanging in there. So thanks for having us. And thanks for everybody. Thanks for everybody for calling in. Go ahead. Go ahead. You're on. Yeah. Heck yeah. So we went to we. Uh, Lori and I attended a meeting yesterday held by the Clark County Board of Commissioners. There were two agendas um, that we went for. Well, mainly we went for one. It was for public consumption lounges. Uh, the one, the issue before that, which was Agenda 68 was for more or less the dispensaries or the medical, uh, well, I don't know what they're called nowadays, the dispensaries, but they gave them the nod to go ahead and um, operate for 24 hours a day. Las Vegas, so they said we, they came to the conclusion that we're a 24-hour town and they decided to have 24-hour dispensing of cannabis. Now, the agenda following that was for public consumption lounges or cannabis lounges. And... Um, the thing is, the law states that the cannabis uh, consumed, uh, excuse me, the cannabis purchased at the dispensaries can only be consumed at a private residence. You can't consume at a hotel or casino uh, or your car, uh, parks, or any other place that would be deemed public. And so I stepped, I, I stepped up and I, and I made it, um, a point to say to the commission, board of commissioners, that there's the, the, the labor of, excuse me, the, the, the convention center statistics show us that 48 million people deplane to a McCarran Airport each year. And just say that's not even counting how many people just drive in from, um, from California and other places. All those, if we say 1% of that 48 million people, let's just put that number out there because that's the one we have, say 1% of that 48 million people uh, are coming here to purchase the uh, cannabis and support the legal industry. Uh, you're putting 480,000 people potentially at harm as soon as they walk out the door because where are they going to smoke their stuff? And they can't cross the state line and take it back with them. Ultimately, the um, commission 
uh, the board of the board of commissioners came to the conclusion that there wasn't enough information as far as how um, a public consumption lounge would operate, as far as security and further compliance, with, and to ensure further compliance with regulatory issues. They said, "Don't even ask the attorney general because we know they're going to say no." But let's talk to the DA wow. and see what they're going to charge people with. So, yeah, they, they know it's federally illegal, and they're still pushing. But, again, like you said, there is no safe place for people who visit Las Vegas. So we have just set them all up for case after case after case of public intoxication. Absolutely. If there's anybody out there listening that's having a planned trip to Las Vegas, and if you, they'll, you can have a, a medical card or you just need an ID nowadays from, from your state, and you go into the you go into the dispensary. You can, you're able to purchase up to one ounce of, of cannabis from the dispensaries. That's a lot to not be able to smoke. That's a lot to not be able to smoke it anywhere. And so I, I, I would urge anyone I would urge anyone visiting the yeah I would urge anyone visiting the Las Vegas area that's going to visit a dispensary to ask ask the, you know someone there whether they're in management or just a bartender where can I smoke at and make it an issue and say well I don't know how I don't know if I feel safe uh, purchasing. If there's no safe place to consume, because it just seems like you guys are protected and I'm not. Well, I, that, that's that's another one of these problems that pops up. You know, we legalize it and then we start legalize. We legalize it and then we start giving out uh, public intoxication. We legalize it and we cause additional problems. And legalizing it doesn't solve the problem, folks. We've got to We've got to think ahead. We've got to get practical. We've got to be show some common sense in our legislation and our and our judicial system. We just got to make some sense. I understand uh, that the rumor has it that you guys um, have offered to contribute a prize to our contest. We have a whole set of bath bombs from CamCare. It consists of six bath bombs. We could do that um, ongoing. So the more entries we get, the more I will be throwing stuff in. All right. So we have a, a bath bomb package. And are we going to include that in today's contest with Oh, yeah. We can do that. Not a problem. Do we have a winner I'm about for this to, I'm about to show the winner of today's contest. In fact, I'm going to do that right now. So... We're getting close to the end of the show. We're going to be doing a little overtime. So I'm going to be as a chance to do the NorCal um, report. But we do have our winner. We've turned it over here to the live. And this is a picture that was uh, submitted by Justin. And uh, this was when the San Diego Chapter of the Human Solution was created. They were uh, set up a table at the slightly different concert. Back in, I don't know, I think it was about four years ago. And uh, we put our chapter members um, out there with our literature and uh, uh, had ribbons galore, and that was our winner. And so, uh, Justin, you're going to win. Um, you got a hell of a package this week, actually. You're going to win the bath bomb package from CanCare out of Las Vegas, Nevada, and you're going to also win. Um, Willow Creek pain relieving product because I know value for that, and you're also going to win a solidarity ribbon. And we just ordered a batch of those. Um, this is an Earth Mag 
powder coated and it'll stick to steel surface for any length of time. So, Dustin, congratulations, you're our winner. And thank you very much, Corey Galen, for supporting the contest. Yep, and we thank you guys for putting us on the air, and we'll get that package sent out. I'll get a hold of Justin to get his uh, info. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, well, thank you so much. We're going to move on over to Tom Corby, and we're going to with the NorCal report. All right, Tom Corby, we're in overtime here, but you are live on the air. Welcome to the show. All right. Thanks, Joe, Mary, and not to forget Bobby Rodrigo Coffee Party Radio Show for what is another historical show, folks. We've been doing these shows, what now? Almost six and a half years, Joe. I'm so it's glad. It's been to a see. minute or two, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, remember, we only had two chapters back then. Now, what are we, 50 chapters international? And I want to shout out to that Manitoba chapter up there uh, and have safe travels, Joe, and keep us posted. Uh, I wish I was going Oh, I will. You. you bet. You guys will be traveling Jen- with me, like it or not. <laughs> yes, yeah, so Jennifer wins right on. Uh, we put our wrists aside and come together in unity to end this failed war on cannabis that we know the Controlled Substance Act in 96 was illegal in the first place. Now it seems we're back to square ones with this uh, Attorney General, Jeff Sessions. I hope we can get him recalled. Uh, I have a, a friend that posted uh, Donald Trump hitting the, hitting the bong. So let's hope Donald comes around. And stands his ground that he said when his campaign, he would respect state rights uh, and uh, Prop 215 and 420. And at one point, I believe he actually said he wanted all 50 states decriminalized. That's our goal and vision, folks, is decriminalized, deschedule, no schedule. Uh, no one should be going to jail made a felon for a plan. Uh, I've got to cut to the chase uh, on the calendar. Uh and uh, one of the defendants uh, come for many, and some are grateful, some not so grateful, some don't even want us to come. Uh, well, that's fine. I got plenty to do. They don't care about having court support and how important that is. Uh, Ray Sharp, uh, local here, part of our our circle actually, inadvertently. That is, uh, when we talk about being grateful for court support and avocation, Ray Sharp and his lady, Jackie Littles, um, who you'll see on Facebook, are ever grateful and reciprocating, which we appreciate. Uh, Ray had his uh, case management conference uh, this last Friday, September 15th at 10.30 a.m. And this is in Chico, folks, not here in Oroville, as it's a civil case. And uh, that's actually 70, 1775 Concord Avenue in Chico. Uh, Ray, uh, what happened is, and Dr. Allen came all the way up here, 
Uh, we went for court support, and uh, his attorney, Charnell James, uh, paid her $3,700 in essence, and uh, it didn't get a word back in five weeks. Uh, so now she she didn't even show up at this this case manager conference, which she could have let us know. Uh, so uh, now she's dropping dropping his case, saying that he calls in too much. Think about that, folks. What are these attorneys doing? Sometimes I just don't think they care. They take the yeah. money and run. Really, huh? Yeah, that, that's. That, that breaks cute. my heart to hear that. Oh, when an attorney, I, I don't know how many frustrated uh, experiences I've had with attorneys not being responsive, but to drop a case because you called too much, my guess is that she probably wasn't answering enough. Well, and then the thing is, she did do something good, and this is a code enforcement case, folks, and this is just uh, Butte County. Uh, reverting back 13 years now when we came against Measure A, taking our growing rights away. We're still fighting Butte County on that seven Measure A. They got us down to this 10 by 10 uh, uh, yards that we can we can grow in. Uh, and it's so restricting that many are just stepping over it and saying, screw them. Uh, Ray, uh, so Darnell actually did something good. She filed a motion with the, the Butte County supervisors. What's that say? Well, a lot of this starts with our supervisors. And uh, she, not that she didn't do, and I'm glad she did something, and uh, she didn't do anything, and which some of them don't seem to do anything. So she, she has done some work. And helped him with his case, got us connected. Uh, so he's going to, his next case uh, coming up here, I, I posted on the calendar today. And, uh, of course, Joe and I advise folks to use uh, the Human Solutions Calendar, uh, international.org, uh, and post your case and a synopsis so we can build court support. And give us plenty of time. Um, he goes back. Uh, for a motion hearing uh, on October 13th at 10.30 a.m. again. Uh, again, that's in, in Chico, 1775 Concord Avenue. And he's so appreciative of any kind of court support and avocation. Uh, he's going to, uh, I was working with him today, and I'm working with Sue and Dr. Allen and Alex Lyons uh, helping him advocate with his case. I uh, suggest that he recuse, uh, not a lawyer. I can't uh, just say that what I would suggest, recusing Charnell uh, James and uh, questioning that the judge assign him new legal counsel, which uh, he'll get a PD. Now, most PDs, again, they just want to deal you out. Uh, but we can use our PDs, and we have a lot of good PDs here now in Butte County that are working with us, and their mindset is uh, no deals. Uh, why should anybody make a deal and become a felon, even even a misdemeanor now that these cases are uh, over our plant? And like Ray says, he's taken them on. He's done nothing wrong. 
I stayed with us in laws and the guidelines. Code enforcement, Ted Weber and his accomplice went through the neighbor's yard, private property. Ray had a 10-foot fence. They'd have to get up on the ladder to look over to take pictures. This case is so weak compared to the cases we've had, Joe. I cannot believe this. Uh, it was a flyover. We've already, we've already backed them down on these flyovers and these Google searches. Uh, so there it is right there. Uh, Ray, thankfully, and his wife did not consent to any search. Never consent to any search. Code enforcement folks, that's a search. They're setting you up generally. No sheriff. What what are we doing here? Just code enforcement? These folks these folks aren't are they're, they're not officers of the law. They're code enforcement. And how can it, there even be any charges? So another, uh, what we advocated is that he file uh, an injunction, a lawsuit against CE Ted Weber, uh, and the neighbor next door is ready to file against him. He didn't appreciate him going on, the, on his private property. I brought this case out before because uh, it, it, it sets such a precedence. Uh, think about this. Ray has no priors, there's no guns, there's no BHOs, no cash, no hard drugs, no jail, no nothing. They charged him with 10 charges. Uh, he got rid of all of them. They're all both BS, and he, he had his discovery, working his discoveries, working his case. Uh, he feels actually, and I think he could go pro per. Uh, so... Uh, and also, with Sue Colm brought out is this is admin law folks and if you're not qualified in admin law then you can't even be taking these cases uh so uh that's all i see here uh that i have today uh i want to thank everybody on the front lines always for coming together uh to end prohibition and quitting putting our kids in jail and when i was in jail here in butte county it's so sad to see how they make these kids fail, and they let them out on get them out on probation, and they have these classes they have to attend every week that are expensive, and they're just they just end up most of them back in jail. And it, did you know that they make? I heard that Alex Lyon said that they make a couple hundred dollars a day on each defendant in there. Every case we go for, they're all keeping their jobs and making money on us. Every continuation. Uh, on the other hand, uh, I really believe most of the time, the longer we keep this going on, they finally they, they're going away, and they are. Uh, okay, thanks, Joe. Again, have a safe travel tomorrow. And uh, as Donna would say, don't forget to breathe. Looking to hear Willie now. Yeah. All right, thanks, Jeff. All right, thank you so much, Tom Corby, and I will uh, be sharing my adventures as we're going along, and thank you, as always, for the NorCal Report, and thank everybody that helped make this show amazing, and for all of you that were on the live stream, um, please share it. Let's let other people see it. Let's let this show do the good it can, and we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Willie Nelson, and the Willie Nelson Teapot Party and I endorse The Human Solution, supporting cannabis prisoners because no one should go to jail for a plant.
should have said and done. You were always on my mind. 